Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. Thanks for asking me to come share um, on step one and the doctor's opinion. My name is David. I'm alcoholic. It's nice to be here. Uh, I just thought I thought start off with just welcoming everyone who's back, coming back, and those who are new to Alcoholics Anonymous. Obviously, every one of us was in that position at some point or other, being a newcomer to Alcoholics Anonymous. I know some people are coming back again. But uh, my first time at Alcoholics Anonymous uh, was back in 1994, and thankfully I haven't drank since then. My sobriety day is the 26th of uh, November 1994. And we all know it is just for today. It is one day at a time. I'm coming up to uh, a big milestone, I believe, for me in, in the end of uh, November. I'll be 27 years a day at a time. And I came in at age 27. So, you know, that's my, you know, it's all these milestones along the way. You know, the first week we got, you know, I remember getting the first week, the first 10 days. Then I got a, I got a month. And then, you know, all these days became months. And then the months became years. And, and, you know, I still have to do the basic stuff. But what is di obviously different today, I have a lot more practical experience of living as an, an alcoholic who's not active. And, you know, obviously I had to take that first step. And, uh, you know, the first step is the only step, as I'm sure we, we would all know, is the only step we can take 100%. The rest of the steps are perfect ideals. So, you know, I had to concede to my inner myself. I had to admit to myself I was alcoholic and um that that idea for me kind of i i would have interpreted that prior to AA as someone who was a drunk that's what i would have taught an alcoholic was now i know some people use that word and they say i was a drunk ha 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 but i don't i would not have been able to come in and say my name is david and i'm, I'm a drunk <laughs> i never liked being drunk as a matter of fact i i never liked being out of control uh, i drank alcohol uh, for the effect produced by alcohol and I believed, and I really believed, I was in control of that effect. And the reason why I would have got so-called drunk was because Tom came in later at 10 o'clock and I stayed and had three or four more drinks. I could not see, I didn't know anything about alcoholism. I didn't know anything about alcoholism as an illness. I didn't know anything about me being an abnormal, so-called abnormal drinker. That alcohol affects me differently than so-called normal people but the way alcohol affects me is normal to me as the, as the body that i have which they say is and i believe it to be true it manifests in this thing we call a phenomenon a craving and this is in which i'm trying to talk about is the doctor's opinion on it. and if you want to know more about uh, in detail about such things as the doctor's but i suggest you go to a good big book study and I, there so happened to be a guy in the room called Howard Eber who hosts one every, every Sunday night. Uh, so, you know, there's other big book uh, meetings as well. So I'm not just focusing. I, I've enjoyed going to Howard's one and I used to go, listen to Joan Charlie and, uh, you know, just to get a better understanding of it. But when I was looked at, when I came into A for the first time, I have to put that label upon myself that I'm not an Irish alcoholic, right? <laughs> I'm not an Irish alcoholic and there's not English alcoholics and there's not Welsh alcoholics and there's not... Canadian alcoholics and American alcoholics, just alcoholics. We just happen to be born in a place, and that's what it is. I mean, the physical body, you know, as I understand it, didn't know I was Irish when it came out of my mother's womb. You know, I hadn't a clue where I was. So, you know, I think, so the thing is, I'm just, I'm, I'm alcoholic, and I wanted to know, basically, at age 27, 
why I kept getting drunk. You know, I, I had, obviously there's times when I went out to drink for a good drink. And I want, you know, I really believed I was in control of it. And I just went out for, but the times when I swore to myself, I'm definitely not going to get so-called out of it tonight. And lo and behold, I did. So when I got into Alcoholics Anonymous at, at that age of 27, and I heard this doctor's opinion and people talking about alcoholism as an illness, it got my attention. Because I, as I said, I didn't want to be a drunk and I didn't, I wasn't drinking to be drunk. I wanted to know why I kept getting drunk. And this is what really helped me then when he said, I'm just going to read a section from XXIV, if anyone's got that book. I won't read too much of it, but I'll just read this because this really uh, helped me. He said, in this, uh, Dr. Silkworth sent Alcoholics Anonymous uh, kind of a, a letter, and Wilson is now, Bill Wilson is commenting on that letter, and he said, in this statement, the doctor confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, our outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, which is Alcoholics Anonymous's belief, in Alcoholics Anonymous's belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. The doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. Remember, this is back in 1939, 38-39. As laymen, our opinion as to its soundness may, of course, mean little. But as ex-problem drinkers, and he's calling an ex-problem drinker here as an alcoholic. So he's in, they're ex-problem drinkers is what they're calling themselves. Not drunks, ex-problem drinkers. We can say that his explanation makes good sense. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. Why am I keep getting drunk? What's going wrong with me? Why do I get into arguments with drinking? You know, though we work out our solution, this is Alcoholics Anonymous saying, though we, Alcoholics Anonymous works out its solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, we favour, Alcoholics Anonymous, favour hospitalisation for the alcoholic who is very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he then has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. So there's more to go on that. But that's what right, the people I met got me into a, a treatment center. They got me into a 12-step treatment center. And I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous there. And I was introduced to, as I understand it now, people coming in like ourselves, people wanting to do service, wanting to carry the AA message at, from the basic textbook titled Alcoholics Anonymous, which the fellowship, as we know, gets its name from. So I met all these wonderful people coming in on fire with the solution of uh, having recovered from alcoholism. Because in, in the first page of this book, it says, you know, the story of how thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. So number one, it's a story. And we know in the story, you know, there's dramatic license and poetic license, and you can change a little bit. But nevertheless, they're telling a story. And the point they're trying to make, getting across is that they have recovered from alcoholism. So that got my attention. And then I had these people coming into this treatment facility and they were telling me this is what they were like, what happened and what they're like now. Well, what I was like kind of nearly, you know, from, I, I was a teenage drinker and I know not everyone did drink as a teenager, but I, I, I drank as a teenager. I drank all through my teenage years up to, as I said, 27 years of age. Now, the, the person I had become, I wasn't very keen on him. But I, what I would always blame is the fact that I come from an alcoholic background. My dad was a drinker. 
Now, that doesn't make me alcoholic, but I can tell you this, it does definitely damage your emotional uh, well-being. The, in, Bill Wilson says in the family afterwards, living with an alcoholic would make a neurotic out of anyone. And I can assure you, if I hadn't have been alcoholic, I'd be saying, be sitting here today saying, my name is David and I'm very neurotic. But thankfully, I'm just saying to you basically that I used alcohol from a young teenager for the effect produced by alcohol. Now, in the doctor's opinion, he said these men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome the craving. Now, I believe I was drinking for the effect all my life. I, I really, really truthfully believe that. As a young kid, I loved just my starting out drinking, you know, just dog ends, you know, bottom, you know, I had the older people would give you some alcohol. I couldn't wait to be an older guy to buy the drink, to chase the girls, to get the girls. I loved all that kind of stuff. It was, you know, so I didn't know I was an alcoholic then. And what I mean by that is I had an abnormal reaction to alcohol. Remember, that's what I'm saying here. So I didn't know that, you know, I, mean, I didn't know, like I'm alcoholic now and I'm not suffering by the grace of God from alcoholism today. I was, there was a time when I was an alcoholic who, who lived in, as an alcoholic in alcoholism and I was suffering drinking alcohol and people were telling me I was a drunk and you're going to turn into an alcoholic, which I thought was a drunk. But I couldn't see because the effect that I was getting from alcohol was electric. Now that's abnormal for the non for the non-alcoholics, but for an alcoholic, that's a real normal feeling. <laughs> you know, it's a normal reaction to get that. If I had, you know, the, the craving is so elusive. If, if I could, if if the craving stopped, I wouldn't keep wanting to get another one. It was just elusive. I was the next the next drink was going to be better. So I was chasing that effect. And without that effect, I was restless, irritable, and discontented. And I think a lot of people in society, not just alcoholics, are restless, irritable, and discontented, but they find other means to deal with their restlessness, irritability, and discontent. They're not necessarily alcoholic. I used alcohol. Other people used, I, for some reason, some people put white powder up their nose. I don't know why they do it. It's, it's beyond me why someone would want to put white powder up your nose. But they do. And, and they are addicted to white powder up their nose. I have never, I've never had a desire to put white powder up my nose, nor do I ever want to put white powder up my nose. So I'm not deluded into thinking that putting white powder up my nose would be a good idea. Right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not deluded about that. I am deluded, whereas alcohol is concerned. I cannot see the truth. I obviously can't today, but when I was in alcoholic in starting out in alcohol, I could not see the truth because I couldn't make I wasn't on this side of the fence. I was on that side. I was an alcoholic in alcoholism. I didn't know anything about alcohol. I got muted. Someone got muted. I guess that happens when you let someone into the room. But I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know anything about, you know, step one, the doctor's opinion. So here I was going through that and people telling me I'm going to turn into about you like a father. You're going to be a drunk. You're going to be this. And I just couldn't see it. So I'm trying to regulate my drinking is the point I'm trying to make here. I'm trying to get a, just a concoction just right. I just want to have maybe three Guinness, maybe two half ones and a spliff or something like that, you know, something like that, you know, and then I'd start, you know, and that'd be good. And if I could stay at that level, but I didn't know what I know now, as he just said, that the alcoholic must believe, the doctors, uh, Wilson has commented on what, what the doctor said, the alcoholic must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as normal as the mind. And I, they have to, I had to see that, and it's very hard, as we know, to see through a delusion. A belief is a belief is easy to change when you get new information. 
So I can believe certain things and you give me new information, I study something, I, I change my point of view. But with a delusion, a delusion cannot be modified. Right? It, it just can't be modified because my whole personality is attacked. That's who I became. I, I have, I became, I had the mind of a chronic alcoholic. And that's what, without alcohol, as I progressed as an alcoholic in alcoholism, as I progressed, without alcohol, I was nothing. I was now dealing with all the underdeveloped emotions that alcohol gave me the illusion that I didn't have. So I was restless, irritable, discontent constantly. And the, the thought of a drink this would give me relief from that. And then when you get the drink, and then I, then I began to learn about, as I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, and people were saying, this is what they done. They took these, as the doctor said, you know, follow these few simple rules, he calls them. He said, the only effort, I'm going to read this a little bit. He said, on the other hand, and strange as it may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. Now, I read few simple rules. I don't know about you, but I, felt, I read that as easy. I thought this was going to be a doddle. I thought I'd be in the treatment centre and out, and before you know it, I'd be sorted. And here I am, nearly 27 years later, still working by steps, still having to pray on a daily basis to accept the things I cannot change, still having to go to meetings, which I love, by the way, going to meetings, and I love improving my conscious contact with God. But nevertheless, the guy, the, the, the restlessness, the irritability and discontented is still there. But it's now, I'm now not going to alcohol to solve that. I started to go towards the few simple rules. And the first thing to do was to identify, am I alcoholic or not? Now, I just, I, for me, fraudy emotional appeal seldom suffices. You know, the message that got my attention had depth and weight. You know what I mean? And then the alcoholic people that came in, as I said, were on fire with this thing. You know, they were really enthused about Alcoholics Anonymous. They were really enthused about getting their wives back, getting their husband back, getting their children back. You know, in my case, I never married, but, you know, I, I got back. I made, you know, restitution to my dad. My father said to me when I, my father said to me, David, you're a nasty piece of work. I thought he was talking about someone else. And if I was a play or a movie or something, I would, you would perceive him as Mr. Hyde. You would see another person. You know what I mean? I go out, you know, there's the good doctor after work, a long day at work, just want to have two or three drinks. And lo and behold, you know what I mean? The obsession is on me. I have to get that drink in me. And that's the alcoholic torture. I'm watching the clock all through, through the day. I used to work in the bookmakers at the time, gambling. I used to do a lot of that as a young boy, young man. And, I, you know, I used to be watching the clock all day. And the pub obviously is next door. I go hand in glove. And lo and behold, in I go... Just going in for two drinks and I'm going to go home. Maybe I'm eating if some girl I was, I was involved with someone. You know, maybe I'm going to see her later on. I'm, I'm there after two drinks. I'm thinking, I just have one more. You know what? I'm starting to feel comfortable now. I'm sitting at a bar and thinking, you know what I mean? I just I just have one more. And now, now I can see what was happening is I, this phenomenon of craving that we speak about was kicking in. Right? The mind is now kind of, I'm getting satisfied. I'm getting a sense of ease and comfort that comes at once. By taking a few drinks. A lot of people are not getting that. 
they might they just have they might get a good feeling from it of course but they're not getting that sense of ease and comfort and i got that sense of ease, and i can see quite clearly now it was the obsession is why i kept drinking but here's the deal for me it was the craving is why i kept getting drunk so the reason i kept drinking was because of the mental obsession but the reason why I kept getting drunk was because of this thing we call a phenomenon of craving. And that made sense to me when I was approached in this first step. And I had that depth and I had that new information that an alcoholic A is an abnormal drinker, a problem drinker. An alcoholic is someone who's just got a, a, a physical abnormal reaction to alcohol. That's all, as I read it, an alcoholic is. Now, alcoholism is something different completely because an alcoholic in alcoholism, which I need to be restored to, recovered from, as Mel said in the beginning, we recover from alcoholism, not as an alcoholic. I've still got the physical abnormal reaction. I haven't drank, and as I said, in 26, nearly 27 years. But I believe, because I also have a mind of a chronic alcoholic, because I lived as an alcoholic for, for you know, a good 16, 17 years. You know, so that personality, I've had the psychic change that's been brought about, and now I have this new personality, this new psychic change, which has lasted drank for 27 years. But beneath that, as I said, the restlessness, irritability and discontent, you know, the society is not working the way it should be. There's too much injustice. I'm too good for this godforsaken world, right? You know, I have to accept the things I can't change. Who's running this king? Who's running this show? You know, and I start to play God, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with the whole bloody lot of it. You know, and I, here I was <laughs> in treatment and I was given hope that there was such a society as Alcoholics Anonymous, an altruistic movement. People were doing stuff for the love of humanity, not for any monetary reward or gain. They were doing it because they wanted to do it. Because, as other people, as Mel read that beautiful prayer, because they were the debt that was given to them. They were repaying the debt that people carried the message and passed it on to them. And here I am now, you know, in Zoomland, which is a wonderful place, wonderful experiences, meeting people from all around the world, other fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous, being able to share my experience, strength and hope. That someone who was... A nasty piece of work in alcohol. I'd like to think I'm a I'm a gentle soul, but don't step on me toes when I'm too tired. But that's enough. But this is the thing you see. But that's just because I overreact someday doesn't mean it's because I'm alcoholic. It just means that I'm tired and I'm angry and I'm cross. That's all. Every normal people get that. But what the deal was for me, I became an extreme example of self will run right because I was an alcoholic in alcoholism and I hadn't been in conscious contact with God. I didn't believe the, the way the show, the world was run. And here I was not, you know, dissatisfied with the whole lot of it, cut myself off and being self-sufficient, not believing in nationalism. I went down that road. I went down the road of internationalism. I went down all these roads trying to find identity, fellowship, companionship, Nothing, nothing seemed to satisfy, only alcohol seemed to give me that sense of ease and comfort instantly. Now I know, you know, that's, that's a childish way of seeing the world. I wanted quick fixes all the time. And alcohol, lo and behold, done it. Now, if, if it still works, or if the delusion, it never really properly worked, it was just a delusion. But if I, if I still was in the delusion, I wouldn't be here. Right, but that's been smashed, and I can see that's not how it works, David. How it works is you gotta put in planning and preparation, and you gotta follow a few simple rules.
there's certain rules that you got to follow in the universe. You know what I mean? You reap what you sow is one of them I like as well. You know, you plant the seed, you water it, you nurture it, you give it sunlight, and then lo and behold, it starts to grow. Not much grows in the dark. And I was an alcoholic in the dark. And I was in the dark because I was full of resentments, as I understand now. I had no forgiveness. This is, this is not because I'm an alcoholic. This is because that's the person I, that's the way I was seeing the world. That's not to do with me being an alcoholic. I would have been like that even if I was an alcoholic. See, this on, that's, that's, see, if I'm unforgiven today, it's not because I'm an alcoholic. It's because I'm not practicing forgiveness. See, there's a thing called alcohol. Me as alcoholic, here I am now. Me and alcoholism, which I'm not in, which, and if you look at what I said about nationalism, internationalism, and then if you put alcoholism, and you put the ISM at the end of any word, feminism, capitalism, socialism, any word like that, it just means a belief system in its simplest form. It just means a belief system. I believed alcohol was my solution to life. Guess what? I don't believe it anymore. It's smashed. Guess what? I'm not in alcoholism. It's gone. Now, the other stuff is, is the underdeveloped emotions. It's stuff that I have to now start looking at. And I remember sitting in the treatment center realizing this, going, oh, my God. I have done no work on patients. I've never practiced patients. I remember having to wait for kettles to boil. That was my, my sponsor said to me, that'd be good practice for you. Just stand there, wait. You know what I mean? You know, just wait for stuff, wait for a bus. Simple things like that. I have to start learning to practice patience, tolerance, give people the right to be wrong. This is stuff that normal, we call them normal, healthy people go through and they practice these things as teenagers and then they get better at it. And I have got a lot more experience, as I said, of practicing these principles today. I'm still alcoholic, right? But I'm not an alcoholic in alcoholism. I have, as we said, recovered from alcoholism. And I would not have been able to see that if I had been getting information like, for example, just go to meetings and don't drink. Now, some people gave me that information. They try to give someone like me that information. I said, hold on a minute. If I could not drink, why do you think I'd want to go to a meeting? Are you having a laugh? Why would I want to go to A? Why would I want to go to A? If I, if, you know, I can't not drink. I have to drink. I'm an alcoholic in alcoholism. And I believe that alcohol is my solution. I can't see the truth. And he's telling me, just don't drink. You know, what are you, what are you on here? Fuck, I know, I believe them. I know I have tolerance. Trust me, I do. And I, and I practice it. And I, and I give people the right to be wrong. And, but I understand the sentiment behind that. But that's the information had no depth and width when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going, well, hold on a minute. You know, go to means and don't drink. You know, but I understand now that if you do go to means, you're going to meet alcoholics there, of course, will have the solution. I'm going to help you and support you, encourage you. I understand that. But that wasn't the first thing that got my attention. What got my attention is this thing we call the doctor's opinion. That got my attention. And this doctor's opinion, as we know, Dr. Silkworth worked, as it says in the letter, he said, you know what I mean? This chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in the treatment of alcohol and drug addiction. I mean, see, that caught my head. It was impressive. And I've since learned that he worked with approximately 50,000 alcoholics. So his opinion is based on working with a lot of people, right? It's not just someone who, who read a book <laughs> and, and gave his opinion or someone who went to a meeting and said, you know what? This, these opinions had no depth and weight. I listened to what this man has to say. 
And I listened to the alcoholics, as I said, who were coming in on fire with life. Yes, of course, they were dealing with insecurities and uncertainties and fear, which I have. That's life. It's life on life's terms. None of us here are going to get permanence. Let's just put that on the table. No one here in this room, no one in Alcoholics Anonymous, no one in the world is getting permanence. Unless they, they're still trying, of course, with all these cyborgs and all sorts of stuff, machines and all sorts. We, we ain't getting permanence. And that's what alcohol gave me the illusion of permanence. I was invincible. I loved it. <laughs> I was all powerful. <laughs> I felt it anyway. I could be standing at a bar, you know, falling down kind of, but other people would have saw a drunk where I saw a super, a supersonic guy, you know what I mean? But they saw a drunk. So they weren't looking at it from my point of view. <laughs> and when that's been smashed, since that's been smashed, I mean, so, you know, I've embraced that. And I got to see, see it from their point. I got to see me from other people. Now, I would not have been able to do that without such, a, I don't believe I would have been, I should say, without such a thing as Alcoholics Anonymous. Without the fact that people have been carrying this message based on the doctor's opinion. I don't believe I could have, people would have got true to me at that point in time. You know, I had no trust in society. I was constantly looking at the wrongs in society. Now, there's a lot of wrongs in society, and if I only look at the wrongs today, I won't get out of the bed. There's a lot of good stuff goes on in the world. I wasn't looking at that when I was drinking. All I was looking at was the wrongs and the ills and dead on this and dead on that and dead. I couldn't get out of that. You know, I could not see the truth. So this is where I was at. I was in that place, in that treatment center. People were telling me about the doctor's opinion. They were telling me about alcoholism. They were telling me about an alcoholic is only someone who's got an abnormal reaction. And I had to get to the causes and the conditions. Now, of course, I'm not going to go down into that, but that is obviously going dealt with in step four and five. You know, we alcohol is but a symptom of the problem. We get down to the causes and the conditions. You know, and then I had to get into the spiritual malady, which is what I was really suffering from. And alcohol masked a lot of that it gave me the illusion that i didn't have any of those problems right so here just let me just read another little bit on, on this he says because people say you know it's uh, getting back to the simple program of it all you know you know simple rules as it were you know people you know at the end of page xxix the his alcoholic problem i believe he's talking about uh, howard is in the room he probably tell me it's either hank p or fitz Mayo. his alcoholic problem is so complex and his depression so great. Now listen to that. His alcoholic problem was so complex. So this thing is not just about going to meetings and not drinking. Ain't going to cut the, cut the deal here. There's got to be something with depth and weight. And what they're saying is, in a simple program, in a simple, which Alcoholics Anonymous is, in a simple program, complexities are broken down into their basic components. I did not know that. I didn't, I didn't even know what a simple program was. In a simple program, you do one step at a time. One, I was always trying to sit in the bar, figure it all out, sort it out by 10 o'clock tonight. AA said to me, no, 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 no. You do one step at a time, David. You do first things first. Easy does it. Keep it simple. Do one thing at a time. You know? And this is what I was doing. It's a matter now of just seeing that my mind had become so warped and so distorted. My mind had become so unmanageable. My life is a result of my thinking, right? We know my life had become unmanageable. My life is a, the, the actions are a result of my thinking. So therefore, every, every thought then has an action or non-action. But the thought comes first before the action. 
whether I can catch the thought or not. But every action is born in thought, right? And my thought, my thinking, as I said, had become warped and distorted. But once I was at that, that's only step one. That's only recognizing the problem and recognizing that alcohol, you know, is so there have to be a sufficient substitute is what I'm getting at here. There has to be a sufficient substitute for me. And this is what Alcoholics Anonymous is for me, a sufficient substitute. You know, the people I've met in Alcoholics Anonymous, I've never, I know, I know we said it, but I've never, and nor would they want me to repay it. You know, you can't find out, I would never, ever be able to pay it. You can't put a price on it, is what I'm trying to say. You, you, you know, 12, Bill Wilson says in step 12, I know that was covered last week, but in step 12, you know, you can't put a price tag on the giving that's given in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've experienced that. It's a wonderful thing to give freely. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Because you can't quantify it. You can't measure it. Because could you imagine doing service in Alcoholics Anonymous and we all get, Mel might be on 80 pounds doing, doing, doing the host and we might have security uh, tech guy, Tom, doing, doing getting 50 quid. I mean, say, you know, I mean, gauging people's value. And this is not the fellowship. I mean, I'm in the world of the spirit. And this is the fellowship I join into, a world that doesn't quantify or measure by material. And, and, and the membership, there's no gold star membership in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's no bronze star membership or silver star membership. There's just membership. I love that. I mean, why would you not want to join such a thing as that? You know, what a beautiful thing. So getting into that state of consciousness and wanting... Of course, I, I, I wanted to get well straight away. And they said to me, you know, do one step at a time, David. So I did, and I got a lot of support and encouragement. And when I came out of that treatment facility, I was, a good, good suggestion was don't go back into the bookmakers. Don't go back gambling. <laughs> it's not a good word. Now, I'm not a compulsive gambler. I'm not a compulsive, but I, well, I did gamble. But I, I'm not a sex addict, and I did have sex. So therefore, you know what I mean? I like to be a sex addict. I like gambling. But I'm not a sex addict, and I'm not, not a compulsive gambler, right? But they had me going to they had me going to GA, which I went to, and I'm, I'm grateful to people in GA. But I just shared this briefly about I went to GA once, and uh, and some good meetings, really. And I like that written red book. It's very, very helpful if you ever get a chance to Google it, the GA red book. I really enjoyed it. But, but I went to this meeting, and the guy, he was doing the share in, in, in the GA meeting, and he opened it up by saying, God, he said, I was nervous before I started doing this chair. I identify with him. He said, I was nervous before I did this chair. He said, I had to have a few drinks before I came to the meeting. And he could have a few drinks because he's not an alcoholic. He's a compulsive gambler. No, I'm not, I'm not a compulsive gambler, but I had compulsive tendencies. But I'm not a compulsive gambler. I identify that. And they had me going to NA, which I'm thankful to and narcotics people as well. I mean, so I went to NA and I found it very helpful. And I love their I love their literature as well. It's very good. They say they build upon the Alcoholics Anonymous um, basic text. I think that reading NA literature on the basics of the, the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous really puts things in a, a great perspective. They really done a great for me. They done a great job of that. But you know, and then I was do, I read some on Alan on. I started going to Alan because you know I come from that background and I read stuff on up on. I went for, through a year of reading ACOA literature on a daily basis. I've adult children. Of alcoholics i found that very very helpful as well to get me to identify you know what i mean what was going on with me when i was a teenager and i went to some of our meetings and i found them helpful but primarily I, I i see myself as someone who is alcoholic and i used alcohol to cover up as i said to cover up a lot of my insecurities uncertainties fears phobias and, you know and notice the word i use there cover up 
So what we do here is we uncover a lot of this covered up stuff. We uncover it. But gradually, try not, and I would strongly suggest to you, try not do it too quick because it's scary as hell. <laughs> it's scary as hell, I kid you not. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, and I'm not being, hopefully I'm not coming across as Ari, but it, it's scary. I got really, really scared when I started revealing, stuff started being revealed to me. You know, and this is what happens when we get to the big buy stuff in step four, five, and six, and seven, and eight, and nine. And without, without built on this step one 100%, that I am powerless. And I, I, for me, to go in then on that powerlessness, then I will automatically seek power if I believe that I am powerless. It's, it's, it's automatic that I will now seek a solution to that powerlessness. Hence, we go into step two. But when I came out of that treatment facility, you know, I had to find some new work. I went back to education, you know, went back to basic education because I left school at, I left school at 15. Uh, I've since been diagnosed as dyslexic and I had a lot of issues with regards to teachers telling me what to do when I was a kid. Uh, and they didn't, they didn't, they were always talking down to me for some reason. I never like, I never like the fact, hey, hey, people, we don't talk down to anyone in Alcoholics Anonymous. We try and talk to them on, on a level play. These guys were telling me what to be doing and stuff. And, and I didn't like their attitude. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? You know, and I can see where I was coming from at the time, you know what I mean? But I've always had this high opinion of myself. But you don't, you don't talk down to me like that and don't talk to me like that just because I come from this background or that background. You know what I mean? I'm clever enough to know I'm not stupid. Let's just say that. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm clever enough to know I'm not stupid. But they treated me as if I was thick. And, you know, I, I was dyslexic and dyspraxic. And, uh, you know, that wasn't diagnosed. But anyway, I had huge issues over that, huge resentments over that because of the way people managed me when I was a kid. And then I, my dad was a drinker and then all that. And, all that. and I, But of course, I wasn't looking at my part in it. But I veer away into step four, five and six. But but when I came, when I came out of um, that, that facility, I went back into education, on basic education. And my sponsor, I was being sponsored. I think it's essential to get a sponsor and get someone, as I said, knows about the basic text, knows about Alcoholics Anonymous. Or, and as I said, are enthused about, about this. this have a, people who've had a spiritual awakening, who have had the light turned on in that dark world, who are awake. And I was listening to Bill Cleveland share my own group on Saturday night, and we had him sharing. Bill, I'd grown up listening to Bill Cleveland on cassettes and stuff like that. And Bill said, you know, becoming awake without humour is depression. <laughs> and I, I kind of get where he's coming from, right? You know, being awake without some form of humour is, is, is depression. You know, because being awake, as I said, is scary. Now, I'm not saying I'm fully awake, but please don't think I'm saying that. I used to think I was, but I've since realized I'm not. But, but, but I'm a lot more awake today and clued in than I used to be, you know. Uh, so there I was going back back to edu basic education and uh, the sponsor said to me at the time, he says, uh, look out for new opportunities. You're going to meet new people along the, along the way, you know, people, places and things. Be careful of the people you mix with. You know, the places you go to and the things you're doing. You know, and ring me. And I was with my sponsor for a good, you know, for the first two years I was with him, you know, regularly. We'd done a lot of work and then for, for about six years I was with him. But but he's kind of sponsored me so I wouldn't be dependent on him. That's the way I was sponsored through the program. You know, he, he's kind of out the school of born into the idea of the consciousness of every man or woman that they can get well regardless of anyone provided they trust in God and clean house. So he sponsored me, and Bill Wilson says this in his literature as well. He says, you know, we've got to learn how to 12-step ourselves into emotional sobriety. You know, I was sponsored through the program, of course, but then I have to know, I don't ring up my sponsor now when I have an issue and just say, you know, help me with that. You know, I have the tools. 
now to, to practice. But initially I was with him until I started to practice these principles in all my affair. And here I was in this in this uh, school and, and I went and they asked me did I want to get involved in, in, a, in a dramatic show they were putting on. I put on a production uh, of some play and I had never been involved in, in the theatre. And uh, I, I kind of, it kind of intrigued me a bit, but I said no. I just instantly said no. And I, something in me, which I now know an intuitive thought kind of came to me. We live intuitively know how to handle situations. So this intuitive thought said to me, I think you should have said yes there to have it. Now I'm sure, this was all new thinking for me. So I, I kind of had to ring my sponsor up on one of these massive, massive mobile phones at the time. You know, this is 95, you know, we, this was a huge mobile phone. And I rang him up and he said to me, this is what my sponsor said to me. This is where I was at in 1995. He's, he said, Dave, go up and tell them that you changed your mind and you'd like to be involved in the production. <laughs> I kid you not. So, you know what I mean? I, did, I didn't know how to do so. I didn't know how to live without alcohol. I did not know how to live. And that was okay, you see. I could not, without the fellowship is what I'm trying to say. Without the fellowship and the support and the encouragement, I would, the sufficient substitute replacing alcohol, I would not have been, I would have died. I, I, I'd rather I'd rather die in the spot than go up and say to someone, I, 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 I changed my mind. I, I had to, I needed that encouragement. I needed that support. And, and, and as I said, that enthusiasm that people had. And I did. I got involved in in the in the show, and I just talked to the drama. I love I love the theatre. I love I love working as an actor. I love the whole idea of being backstage, and 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 taking that step from backstage into the front. It's it's an experience, you know. It's 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 a you know it's it's nearly as good as alcohol. It's it's a wonderful feeling to to be. But, but I tell you this though, you wouldn't take that step from backstage into the front if you ain't done any rehearsal. <laughs> I'll tell you that. You wouldn't know a line. You wouldn't know absolutely nothing. You know, you must do the preparation. You know, we cannot transmit something we haven't got. So, you know what I mean? You can wing it all you want and I can wing it all I want. And that's what was happening to me uh, when I was in alcoholism, uh, as an alcoholic in alcoholism. I, I, I felt I was bluffing a lot of the time. I was waiting to be found out. Uh, you know what I mean? Alcohol, as I said, gave me this sense of bravado that I could take any man in a room. And alcohol gave me the illusion that I could get any woman in the room. <laughs> but the reality wasn't, that wasn't the reality. And here I was learning to live with all that stuff for the first time. And I got involved in that, back to education. I came, I, I went up to Cork in, in, in just, be, just through the millennium in Ireland, County Cork. And I, I was there for three years. And I, I trained as an actor. And, and, and I, work, I worked in that for a period of time. And uh, it was just a great experience, you know, to have done that. And we went through the millennium. I remember people were worried about this K2 something or other was going on about, you know, this fear of, this fear, oh, the world is going to stop. Everything's going to go, oh, my God. You know, not that we're even moving, but they, they, they were saying all this, this stuff. And I remember we were all saying, in AA, it's just for today, mate. Keep it in the day. It's just for today. You know, that's what we were saying to people. And that's what I started to get into, this power of now. You know, it says in Alcoholics not may you find him now. Not five minutes from now, find God now. You can always bring God into the moment. And my understanding of God, I won't get into it, but you know what I mean? To, for me to even quantify my understanding, my head would probably explode. But, but I have an understanding. I have an, an Alcoholics Anonymous is very much part of that. You know, and that's where I got my... So, so my courage came from... No one gave me courage. This is very important. No one gave me confidence. I used to think I was going to get these things. There was something I was going to get. They came as a result of me taking steps. If you want, taking actions. 
taking that step from backstage up into the onto the front of the stage. They t- encourage you call on that. You do the preparation. You get the support while you're there, and then you take this. I take the step. And by taking that step, I've, I've now developed my self-esteem has Im- improved as a result of that. Before it wasn't on my esteem, it was on alcohol. I'd done most of my things on alcohol. And people would say, you're, you're this, you're courageous, you're this. But it was all based on alcohol. I was fueled, should I say, with alcohol. Today it's fueled by the grace of God. I have no doubt about that. It, it's, you know, it's... it's Doing this meeting today, you know, being asked to do this meeting, of course you have fear, you have, you have anxiety, you have, it's natural to have these things, you know, but but it, it's about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I know that's a never, never but, 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 but nevertheless, it's about doing these things, you know, take it, but learning to do it without alcohol. And that all came from me making that personal, that first step, taking that first step, admitting, now here's the deal for me on that one, admitting to myself, my innermost self, not to Randy, not to Bracken, not to Mel, not to Kim, not to, not to Leslie, not to, not just Margaret and Margaret, not just admitting to anyone. It, it was just admitting to myself, the man in the mirror. I should I should say hello to Debbie as well. I greet her. But it, it was admitting it was admitting to uh, my inner more self. And that's what got me, you see, that really got me because I was good at telling people what they wanted to hear. Now, if I was to say, hands up, who identify with that, would many hands come up, I wonder? Well, I knew Randy's had come up and Roseanne's, <laughs> but it's good to see, <laughs> it's good to see hands are coming because that's what it was all about. It was me giving the impression, thanks for playing along, Randy, but it was good for me just to give the impression. It was always about giving the impression that I was better than, I was stronger than, and I knew I wasn't in my heart of hearts. So AA got me to look at that from a different point of view. He said, we're not interested, truthfully, this is what he said to me, more or less. We're not interested in what you tell us. We're really, we're really not interested in what you tell us. It's what you tell the man in the glass. Now, I kid you not, I did not know who the man in the glass was. I didn't know who the man in the glass was. I was thinking, who is this man in the glass? You know, now I understand it's, it's, it's the inner more self. It's the man in the mirror. And that's who I had to admit to. And I didn't know how to do that. I couldn't, I didn't know when I was telling the truth. You know, Van Morrison sings about, I told a million lies to myself, to myself. You know, I, you know and, and that's kind of where I was at. I, I told millions of lies to myself and I didn't know when I was tell, telling the truth. So I, I really felt I was powerless and I really wanted to join Alcoholics Anonymous. I really wanted to belong to this, this movement, this spiritual movement that was set up in the 30s you know, in, in, in America, in the late 30s in America. And, and, you know, what was going on in the other side of the world in, in the late 30s is another story. But but all that stuff was going on with the light coming into the world. And I wanted to join this thing. And I was, I really wanted, you know, but it was suggested to me, you know, what, and I'd really worked for someone like me and I might work for someone like you if, if you're like me, to go on your knees. Just to just to go on your knees and, and, and take the first step, you know, to, to say, I'm beaten. Because it's very hard for someone like me to be arrogant on his knees. Trust me, I've tried to be arrogant on my knees. I really do. I go on my knees on a daily basis. Not because, you know, someone tell. If you told me to go on my knees, I probably wouldn't go on my knees. You understand me? It's because I find it, I need a physical action to go with my thinking. Do you see what I mean? I say more than my prayers is another way of looking at that. You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of take the... the, the, the what I do, and I went through a phase in recovery where I went on... I, I used to be like a, a gallant knight... I used to go on one knee. 
<laughs> it didn't. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. I, I have to. I have to go on to. For me, for some reason, I need to. Do, I need to do. I need to do no half measures here. I need to do full thing, I, I, and it worked for me because then the longer I kept doing that, going on my knees, you know, saying I don't know what I'm really telling the truth. I really want to say I'm surrendering. I really then the actions. Whether I'm in step two will determine if I've taken step one, and step three if I've taken step. Too. So, you know, and that's what began to happen. So the only step you take on its own, well, we left seven minutes. The only step I take on its own is the first step. It's the only step I have to take on its own. The rest of the steps are all built on that. And as I said at the beginning, it's the only step that we take 100%. And I thought it was just you take it one day and that's it, it's done. But I take it on a daily basis. Although I have a certain amount of time, I still need to take step one on a daily basis. But let me just let me just say, say this to you on, on what Bill Wilson said in in the 12 by 12, which is the 12 steps and 12 traditions. He said this in, in, in that, which was he, he must have been about 10 years or maybe 12 years sober or 30 years sober when he was writing this. He said, we know that little good can come to any alcoholic who joins. Notice he said who joins Alcoholics Anonymous unless they have first accepted their devastating weakness and all its consequences. Until he or she so humbles themselves, their sobriety, if any, will be precarious. Of real happiness, they will find none at all. Proved, and this is what he said after 12, 13 years of Alcoholics Anonymous, proved beyond doubt by an immense experience, this is one of the facts of AA life. The principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered. Not only the society, but the individual member. That that that's my truth today. Otherwise, for the last twenty six years, I've been just saying I'm an alcoholic. You know, I've just been saying I'm powerless. I've just been saying I turned my will and my life over. I remember being on my knees in that treatment facility and I saying that I really want to turn. I want to give myself to Alcoholics Anonymous. I want to believe. I want to join this thing. I really want. And that's. You know, as I get older, I'm obviously a lot older and wiser, thankfully, as well. But since then, I mean, so the man I've become, I'm happy enough with the man I've become. Thankfully, I, hopefully, I'm not saying I've reached the ceiling, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I'm the finished article. I'm still a work in progress. But only God, more will be, more will be revealed on that. But I'd like, the, the proof has been in the pudding, you know. I've, be, I've stayed through to Alcoholics Anonymous for this 26. Not only what I mean by that is I would not like to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and not do service. For me to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and not do service, now I mean service, you know, across the board. I think something happened there. I, oh, let's see. So, just the signal, the signal went to just, it's amazing when, it, when the signal goes, it, it, it does throw you all. I said, thank you, five minutes I've got. But it's amazing, coming to Alcoholics Anonymous and not doing service for me would be akin to going into a pub as an alcoholic when I was drinking and not drinking. You know, what I want to get, when I was, what I wanted was to get the spirit from alcohol, the effect produced by alcohol. So what I want when I'm in alcoholic, I want to be in the fellowship of the spirit. The fellowship of the spirit is what I want to be in. And that means going into the fourth dimension. That means to go into a place beyond appearances, beyond nationalities, beyond all that's not let's call it so-called nonsense but you know it, it, that's where i want to be i want to be in connection with people in the altruistic movement where i'm just not looking at the me measuring things by what i can get out of it 
Now, listen, you you all know I'm I, I'm not getting all that perfect because the only step I can do perfect is the first step. But that's what I'm aiming for. And I get glimpses of that. And I get the older I'm getting it sometimes because you remember the alcoholic is really a self. Well, I am. I speak for myself. I'm really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind. Right. That, that's that's the that's what I became. I became the guy that would give the impression. Remember, I said give the impression that I'm really, really keen and into you. But after we've had relationship, whatever you want to call it, sex, it's gone. You know, it was all just self-seeking. You, you, that, that's the guy, you know, that, that's the truth. And, you know, that's not completely gone. I'm not going to say that's completely gone, but I thought I'm trying to keep that turned over. But I, I didn't get all that information on the first step. But I'm trying to say to you, by taking the first step, I was able to get access and insight and uncover all that stuff that had been covered up and suppressed and pushed down that people spent thousands and thousands of pounds in therapy for. We come into Alcoholics Anonymous in a movement and a beautiful fellowship like, such as this. We read such a thing as the doctor's opinion if we're real alcoholics. And we go, oh my God, this is why I keep getting drunk. I keep getting drunk because I have a physical abnormal, abnormal reaction to alcohol, which is normal to me. Oh, this is astonishing. So therefore, oh, so how do I, oh, so what happens? Do I just stop and go to means now? If it was that simple, you know, I just stop off. If it was only that simple, because I have now got to deal, deal with the underlying issues. And this is where we have this beautiful place called uh, Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm not going to say I come into Alcoholics Anonymous jumping for joy and skipping. And uh, I can come into Alcoholics Anonymous into a meeting and all I focus on is, is negative stuff I'm hearing. Or some people are having a bad day. I'm not saying you shouldn't be sharing that stuff. I'm just saying, you know, I've worked in the bookmakers. People would only tell me when they lost. They never told me when they won. Right? I, I, I've listened to guys telling me all our problems. And I said to them, hold on a minute. You've got a big house. You've got a big car. You've got a lovely job. Why aren't you telling me any of that stuff? All you're telling me is the stuff you don't have. You know, let's let's get perspective on things. You know, and and I'm not saying you, you know, I don't want to do other people's inventory because I'm very good at it. <laughs> I should. I, I've got to. I've got to. I've got to do my own inventory. You know, which they told me in the beginning because you know what I can I can think I can run the show. <laughs> Rosanna, I know you think I can, but that's another story. We might. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't. So let me. Uh, what have I got, Mel? I've got. A, I've got a minute. So. I know I'm jumping a bit, Mel, but, but after getting to the three pertinent ideas on page 60, they said to us, being convinced we're at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understand them. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? And I'm going to read this in the first person for the next 35 seconds. The first requirement is that I be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So any life, not just alcoholics. On that basis, I am almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives are good. Most people, again, not just alcoholics, most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the scenery, the ballet, the rest of the players in his own way. Now, here it is. Here's the thing for me. In eight seconds. If my arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as I wished, the show would be great. Amen. Turn you back to Mel. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com 
and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.